0: Disclaimer, the host of this podcast, Timothy Patrick and Will Foley, are by no means medical professionals. However, having lived experience with mental illness themselves, they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis. By sharing their stories, they hope to create connection. By creating connection, they hope to help you find your purpose. And through purpose, we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast.
1: Are you
2: ready to lace up your boots, throw up your horns and jump into the pit? Then let's stomp the stigmas of mental illness. It's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now, Will Foley and Timothy Patrick.
3: Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. Episode 101 this week. Do no harm coming up momentarily, but first I wanted to talk to you about our good friends Dan and Natalie at Close Knit Company. That's right, it's May. You know what May means? It's t-shirt weather. It's right, t-shirt weather. They got all sorts of cool designs to strap you in, man. So go check them out at closeknitco.com. Make sure you tell them you heard it here on Above Ground Podcast. And while you're over there checking out their awesome designs for the summertime and checking out some tequila t-shirts because they got lots of them floating around, I see. Uh, uh, You can check out CollabX and pick yourself up an Above Ground Podcast t-shirt or hoodie uh, because that's how we keep this show rolling, people, t-shirts, and we all love t-shirts. Also, wanted to talk to you about our friends, Nippertown.com. Nippertown.com is the premier online destination for the 518 in everything arts, entertainment, culture, wellness. It is your prime go-to spot to find out what is going on in the 518. If you're here visiting, summertime's coming. People are going to be coming to Saratoga Racetrack. They're going to be coming into town for uh, you guys will be coming back to school in August. Hopefully, you know, everybody will be coming back to college. Anybody coming to the 518 for the first time, man. Nippertown.com is the place to go to see who's playing, to see what shows are going on. Check out Above Ground Podcast. That's right. Above Ground Podcast streams every week on Wednesdays, everywhere you pod. But we are also on the Nippertown.com. Homepage and platform, and it's awesome. And I want to thank Jim. Uh Jim's awesome. So give us some love on Nippertown. You can check out all sorts of cool stuff, man. There's other podcasts. There's a a, a beer podcast. Uh, there's another restaurant podcast. I'm gonna get some stuff together so I can tell you a little bit more about the other stuff going on over there too. But ah, uh, yeah, we love I love beer, so I listen to that podcast. It's awesome. All right. So, without further ado uh, we are doing another interview today on this episode uh do no harm episode 101 and our interview today is with the director of the new york state suicide prevention community and coalition initiatives through the suicide prevention center for new york it is gary lloyd lester and he was awesome to talk to man may is mental health awareness month i mean obviously here on above ground podcast 365 seven twenty four uh, is mental health awareness every day but uh you know these months where we got to, you know, talk about something specific. These these kind of things. We should be talking about this stuff all the time. But I guess if it takes you, you know, 30 days to think about it and then you won't think about it again, I, you know, I don't know. I think it's kind of ridiculous. But, you know, whatever, man. That's just me. I say you think about your mental health every day because without your mentals, you don't have your physicals either. So think about that. All right. So check it out. Gara. Later. <coughs> Gary Lloyd Lester is the director for New York state suicide prevention community and coalition initiatives for the suicide prevention center of New York. And it's an awesome. I've heard so many good things about Gara over the years with my work with the American foundation for suicide prevention, that when Kate suggested getting you on trying to get you on, I was like, awesome. So she, that's why she, that's why she started the introduction. So we thank you so much for being here, man.
1: Yes. Thank Especially you very
0: much. Looking forward to it.
3: So, yeah. Why don't we talk about what Timmy just, why don't we start there? <laughs> I guess there's probably no better way to start than to just kind of jump in and be like, okay, well, you know, something's happened. What what do we do next? What do we, somebody's made an attempt. Somebody's,
0: you know what I mean? Let's talk about those things. Just yeah. Right and it. I, and I think in the in the lens of trying to address stigma, it's so I've heard so many stories of people that have made an attempt uh, on their own life. They survived that attempt. They're they're maybe they're in the hospital, um, getting medical treatment perhaps for that attempt, and or some sort of you know behavioral health care, and it can feel super isolating because if you think about somebody that gets injured or gets ill and goes to the hospital, they have loved ones and family members around will gather, gather around. Right. Um, That isn't always the case with somebody that's experienced a suicidal crisis and made an attempt. And so the isolation that they may have felt prior to can get
1: compounded. Excellent. Yes, I agree with that.
3: And I suppose, because you had already mentioned this because Tim had started this conversation about how, it's very hard to find the words to even breach the subject, let alone start a conversation about something that just happened that people are ashamed of or hold some mm-hmm. secret by, you know bias towards or whatever. Because you find that, and I would say this for me, and, and I say this because, and I kind of want to come at it from this premise because I think it'll kind of get us at a good point of what Timmy mentioned is that I say that it's never an option until it becomes an option in somebody's mind. And I'm wondering how that projects into the subject of actually starting to talk about it because people don't seem to understand that it, like, as I always thought that it wasn't an option in my twenties. I said, I would never do anything like that. I would never get that low. And then yeah. in your, you know, your late thirties, early forties, you start to find, yeah, you are. <laughs> so it's like, how do you make that correlation and and how do you start that conversation with somebody who's, who's probably already ashamed of it themselves? You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I think, you know, I I know for myself um, in hard, hard topics or tough topics, whether it's about suicide or, you know, whatever the topic might be, we can, we can often wrestle with trying to find the right words. um, And not surprisingly, the right words will probably never show up. Or if we wait for those right words, we'll probably be silent for a while. So I I try to tell myself and I've, and I've heard other people uh, share something similar is you know, you don't have to find the right words. You just have to be genuine and authentic and sort of lean in. If it's somebody who's in your life, like your, your care will show through even if you flub up the words, right? Um, and so I think for somebody who has made an attempt simply by being there physically or emotionally or both um, is gonna speak volumes. And if you say the wrong words, you'll know it probably <laughs> because their face facial expressions will show it or, or they'll tell you, hey, man, you what the frig are you saying? So, you know, I think it's, it's uh, you know, to be gentle on yourself, don't worry about trying to find the right words, just be there like you would for somebody who, you know, again, was in a car accident or, or had an illness.
1: It's a good way to look at it it is, is, you know, try and take yourself out of that uh, you know, current situation, the circumstances and, and, you know, maybe kind of relate it back to if it was a car accident or somebody, mm-hmm. you know, was skateboarding, they broke their leg and you want to go and just say hi. Yeah. And because I think, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead.
0: I say, and, and if you don't know what to say is ask the person like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I I'm, you know, be honest, you know, this is new for me. You know, is there anything I can do to help you? How can I support you? Um,
1: the person might know, they might not know. And that's cool. Um, that's perfect. I was actually going to say that because I've, I've been in that situation and I, and I just, cause I didn't know what to say and didn't know what to do. And, you know, even though we kind of in our minds, we, like you said, it, when you, when you hear it, it seems very logical yeah. and kind of simple, but, when you're in these circumstances, especially if it's a close connection, there's high emotions. It's hard to to just sit and almost say nothing. You want to, you know. I don't know if it's if it's human instinct as we want to try and help, but um, you know, sometimes just being there, or, or even like I said, when I was in that circum certain situation, I I said, look, I don't I don't know what what to say or what to do, but I'm here. So if you know what you need, even if you don't know what you need. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yeah. So I, I, I just like to be able I mean, I think we both like to be able to try and um, present our listeners with um, some, some helpful advice, some helpful tools to do in these situations that um, they don't really arise often, but um, you know, we don't talk about them either.
0: Yeah. I, I think, you know, to me, a, a, probably a, a key element to help support someone who's experienced a suicidal crisis and they went from from thoughts to actions and they survived an attempt is literally just to to let them know that you're there for them because so many people who expressed experiencing thoughts of suicide feel this sense of isolation, even if the evidence. Is there to the contrary that, well, you've got all these friends and you got family and you got jobs and you got pets and you got this and you got that, that person experiencing those thoughts of suicide, they can get that sort of tunnel vision and it doesn't matter what's immediately to their left or to their right, they feel isolated. And so one thing that we can do is to let them know that they're not alone. I'm here for you, right? Whatever
1: that means. Wow, that's that's uh that's very uh spot on at least for me that 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 tunnel vision, you know, very yeah. very uh yes.
3: Yeah, and I and I definitely understand that because I mean obviously if you spend enough time with certain people you would you would know, mm-hmm. and if you and if you have any experience with with mental health crises of any sort you will know there's certain things to look out for and things. Mm-hmm. Also, and you can trust your gut a lot of times that they're that they're correct. But could you go over some of those things that maybe we could be looking out for? Yeah, I mean, it's it can. There's something specific besides the you know the people give their things away yeah, or the, yeah. are, you know the conversation really revolves around you know what if I'm not here or if I'm not if I'm yeah. gone or. But is there like you
0: know, from a higher level of like conc- Concrete examples, um, if, if there's a change in that person's sort of baseline, right? So now some of this supposes that I know the person, so I would know if there's a change. Um, but, you know, if over a couple weeks period of time, something seems off, right? And, and one of you mentioned, you know, trust your gut, trust your instinct. The beauty of the work that I'm privileged to be able to do is you don't have to be a clinician to figure this stuff out you just you know if your spidey sense starts tingling then (laughs) um i mean i probably hope i don't get sued by marvel or whatever but you know i mean uh, we're not about batman all the time (laughs) (laughs) we're we're not that we're not that popular anyways (laughs) (laughs) but but i I think you know give yourself to be human right we're all emotional creatures we can all read people to a certain extent and pick up if somebody's not doing well um and you know and again in this we usually will frame it is that over a period of time um but then you know so some people wonder well what about a stranger or an acquaintance somebody i don't know that well like could i help somebody in that situation and i think the short answer is yeah you could i mean you don't need to know somebody to recognize if somebody's in distress. Um, Now that doesn't mean that you're gonna stop and go up to everybody on the street that seems a little off. And you know, there's a lot of stuff that gets packed into that, but um, a message that's really important to me is don't ever underestimate the power and the impact you can have on somebody's life just by showing you care, just by taking an interest. It could be a literal game changer for that person. Um, Might not have anything to do with suicide at all whatsoever, but just, Just to simply show that you care um, can be huge, right?
3: Sure. That's good for the mental health, man. And that's what it all comes really down to for us, is that it's all mental health, no matter what it is, because it all kind of correlates to everything.
0: It took me, uh, uh, and I have to remind myself, because I use the terms interchangeably, mental health and mental illness or whatnot. We all have mental health. Everybody has mental health. Not everybody. Everybody has mental illness, and so just like we all have physical health, some of us have been fortunate not to have had physical illness. And so I think, you know, trying to think about how do we take care of our physical health in the same light of how do we take care of our, our mental health, and you know, and so um, I think that can be important sometimes, just to, as a reminder.
1: For sure, I think I think There's Will's a
0: spectrum with to me. There's yeah, I'm just
1: gonna say I think Will's with me, but I always. I, uh, I came up with this thing pieces to wellness it's a it's a little design that I created but I I truly believe that it, if we look at it's a spectrum you know mental wellness mental health is a spectrum on one side is wellness on one side is illness and there's certain things that you know can make somebody more susceptible to either side so these are the things that again I, I you know more of in the prevention side of things mm-hmm. that we can you know, be mindful of and try to, uh, you know, work out some things that, to become a daily habit in our lives.
0: Absolutely. It takes work.
1: <laughs> I want to go back real quick um, the to kind of what Will was talking about, you know, to, as far as um, what to say or how to act um, in these c- certain s- situations or, or what to pick up on, I guess mm-hmm. he was kind of saying. I don't know how you feel, but I, I feel like there also is some, uh, I don't know if I want to put accountability liability on the actual individual to, to speak up, you know, to have somebody that they're close with a struggle buddy perhaps, and, and be able to say, Hey, I'm not really doing okay today. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think that makes it that much more real. It's, It's one thing if I suspect that a loved one might be struggling to the point of thinking about suicide, but until I, until it's spoken, until still, it's out there. It's, it's sort of, you know, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but once, you know, if we've, if we've clarified that, yeah, that my friend, my one, whatever is thinking about suicide, that makes it that much more real. And I think there most people are probably going to have a sense of um, responsibility and accountability. You know, now we know what we're talking about here and, and what does that mean? Like, do I, is it my job now to keep that person safe or to keep that person, um, from acting on their thoughts? So I can, I can absolutely (laughs) see having people in my own life who've, you know, experienced thoughts of suicide. Um, that's a lot to to carry, um, for sure. Um, and so making peace with that, you know, you, you can't unknow that once somebody's said, yeah, I'm having thoughts of suicide, that's out there. Like you can't go back in time. So that's on some level, always going to be there. Um, I, you know, it might diminish if the person gets the help that they need over time and, and they're in and they're in a better place. And that's the hope, obviously. Uh, but, and a lot of that's going to be relational too. Like, is this somebody at work or is this a family member? You know?
1: Sure. Agree. Yep.
3: We've, I mean, together, you know, Timmy and I have both, you know, visited people in crisis, you know, had crises of our own. Um, and knowing that somebody is just there sometimes is good, but when does that, like, is it better just to come right out and ask people if they're thinking about hurting themselves? Because that's the way we're taught, is that you just ask Mm -hmm. the question. Are you really, you know, is there a plan? Is there some sort of, you know, do you have the way...
1: Are you you safe, maybe, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. is
0: there... I mean, it's, that's a great question. That's the question. Right. So, I mean, I think ultimately there's got to be context. So I teach suicide prevention. That doesn't mean that I go up to people in the grocery store and start asking people randomly. There's going to be a reason. Right. right. Um, and And so if If you're worried and you're concerned and you're not sure if those worries and concerns are connected to suicide, because they might not be, that might be like the farthest thing from what's going on in that person. The only way to find out is to ask and to ask directly. Um, And I get why, even as a caring person, you might be hesitant to do that. It might feel awkward. Um, You might be thinking, well, what if they say no? Because that would be really weird too, right? Um, But, you know, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is, yeah, it's a little bit awkward. Okay. I'll give you that. But what's the alternative is that we didn't ask the question and that person needed us to ask the question. Like they were right. back of their mind. It was like, it's just one person notices that life sort of sucks right now and asks that question that that'll be my side. You know, so that can be the way people people think sometimes is I just need, you know, I don't have the ability to reach out myself. I need someone to ask me. Um, And then, right. Asking directly, you know, um, I think asking
3: directly kind of provides a shock to the system too, to people.
0: It puts language most
3: people it. Right. And most people don't expect you just to be like, you know, Hey, you are thinking about harming yourself, you know what I mean? Most people don't ask those. I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough that I asked those questions and I'm, I'm usually pretty good at getting answers out of people and you can generally tell.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You just have to realize when to escalate it as to when to kind of guard it maybe as much. Cause I think part of it is, is that I don't think we want that. I don't think we want that failure mm-hmm. to, un- to not recognize or to have something happen. And and hold ourselves personally responsible that we miss something, especially with the training we got. So I think oh, that yeah. there's, there's part of that fear that's in there, even though, you know, you have to do something. Cause I, I feel that we have a mandate on our birth certificates <laughs> now to help someone else because people mm-hmm. have helped us. That's just the way it, I, it feels to me. So it's, it's natural, but it's, it's taxing and tiring. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's, you know, I think like, knowing what you know that, you know, it's okay to ask the question and all that good, good things and knowing what to look for is all great, but we're also human. Right. And we're going to have down day. We're going to, we're, we're going to miss stuff. Right. Um, and, and uh, or we're going to have our own biases. Um, you know, there's been a couple of people in my life, one personally, and one professionally where I, I was having conversations and interactions with them and, um, and everything that I was hearing and, you know, some things that were going on in both of their respective lives were all the things that I teach all the time, but it never dawned on me that, wow, wait, this is, this is like, this could be about suicide. And so I had this, this tunnel vision myself in terms of, well, no, not these individuals, but then I gave myself permission to say, wait a minute, you know, stop and hit the pause button here. And I did. And I asked both of those individuals. Um, one of them was like, no, and I believed him. The other one was like, well, you know, actually, Gary, yeah, I had been. Um, and it was like a, a aha moment of all aha moments. Like, uh, so, but my, my reason for sharing that is um, we're human. We're susceptible to our own biases, you know, so we have to be gentle with ourselves. I think we want to be in tune, but, you know, um, there might, unfortunately, there could be times where we just, you know, things could pop up and we just don't make that connection, right? So we have to um be aware of that and that's scary
3: yeah it comes with a lot it comes with a lot of weight man there's a lot of weight attached to that for
1: sure Um, yeah that's pop that's popped up uh quite a bit in the past few weeks for me that whole uh you know i'm only human type thing is uh so i'm I'm hearing it (laughs) i'm hearing it what uh you know i i don't know we use sometimes we usually talk um before we get into the conversation we talk about a little bit of what it is that you do in your work mm-hmm. um i don't know if that's something that you want to bring up or how sure, long have so you been
0: give us a little discography <laughs> yeah let's see um in another lifetime i actually worked in the developmental disabilities field down in the Catskills skills for uh 16 years so uh That's where I started in my career trajectory. I've worked in, uh, child welfare and mental health, uh, for prior to this job, I worked in, uh, county government, county mental health for the better part of 10 years. And that's where I really first started, uh, getting interested more and more into suicide prevention. Um, I actually had a colleague who lost her adult daughter who was a physician to suicide. Um, and it was one of the first, uh, real exposures as an adult to, to loss. Um, and, and so, and my friend Jeanette became actively involved in AFSP after that, as so many lost survivors do. Um, and then it, it so it, it, it progressed um, to really being passionate and called to, to suicide prevention. Uh, so in my, my current job now, a lot of what I'm Fortunate to be able to do is to work with local suicide prevention coalitions on the county level, give try to give them the support, the tools, the resources to address the, the burden of suicide on the local level, because that's where the, the work really happens is on boots on the ground kind of a thing. Um, and so, you know, it, it might be providing training, it might be providing tools and resources, uh, that kind of work. And then I'm also fortunate to do some state level stuff, uh, you know, working with uh veterans and first responders, you know, looking at the intersection of suicide prevention with those disciplines, um, doing postvention work. Uh so it's it's really um amazing because again, you get to meet just fantastic people, um, very selfless, very uh passionate about the topic and and who want to help and want to do stuff. So
1: wow, that's great. You must have some uh some pretty intense stories to share.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it, it can be sad work for sure. I mean, people will call our agency and, and, you know, I'm fortunate. Again, a lot of my work is statewide a colleagues work is statewide. So we get to meet people from around the state. And, and so much of this work is based on relationships. And so people will call and say, Hey, there was just a suicide in this community. And, and, you know, they're, they're looking for support. They're looking for help. So of course. That part of it is is sad, right? Um, but I've also, and I know colleagues have heard, uh, heard stories where you know we facilitated training of some sort, we facilitated content on how to help somebody, right, or how to ask the question. And and I've had on multiple occasions people reach out afterwards and saying, "Hey, Garrett, I just want to let you know um, I had a chance to use this skill set." Um, awesome. And yeah, it, it, it really is. And I think um, that certainly helps to keep me grounded. You know, uh, this, you know, unfortunately, people continue to, to, to die by suicide um, and people continue to make attempts. But there's a lot of people that have thoughts of suicide that don't. Um, and so it's, it's having those conversations like what helped you what didn't help you, you know? Awesome.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what we would love to be able to be in contact with some of them just to, you know, that's the thing. It's like, these are tough topics, but that kind of information can't, you know, you can't buy and purchase this stuff. This is real, you know, this is the real deal. And like, it's priceless is what I'm trying to say, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. so to be able to uh, interact with those different people and, and get that kind of information is like you, that's awesome, that's very awesome
0: yeah it's uh it, it so much of this work if I had to encapsulate it is about hope, either not having any or or the fact that it exists, and then some continuum right um and it's It's amazing hearing the stories of people who were like back up against the wall and just felt like they had no way out and and then finding a way out, right. Um, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. Um, and not that it's a straight line or whatever, but to me, that's, that's what keeps me going, um, is to hear those stories and to know that if it can happen to these individuals, then it might be able to happen for others. Right.
1: Well said that's, we could say the same thing. It's perfect. Yeah. Will's, Will's our, Will's our ambassador of hope. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I love that. I think that's, that's like, that should be a thing. <laughs> right? I
3: think we should all be ambassadors of hope, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think anybody doing this could be an ambassador of hope. We just slapped
1: it on there. Now, there Gary, you, you had you had mentioned about um certain trainings. Is that mm-hmm. is that like open to public or is that specifically designed for uh do you go for like jobs? Do you do anything like that for big companies with a lot of employees? Um, so <laughs>
0: Everything these days is prefaced, you know. PC pre COVID, um, yeah. so a lot of the stuff that we did was in person. And you did assist, right? Is that assist, yours? Uh, we we do assist and safe talk. They're they're from the same organization. Yeah, uh, and unfortunately, those can only be done in person. There's some right. uh, some practical things that, that just it wouldn't wouldn't be emotionally safe, especially. Um, but right, so we would do those types of workshops for. Basically anybody. So, for example, the New York State Bridge Authority. A number of years ago, the uh, the maintenance workers, you know, the, the men and women who are up there taking care of the uh, the Rip Van Winkle in the Mid Hudson Bridges, you know, unfortunately, obviously, that's where many people thinking about suicide go to, is yeah. and. Who better to know when somebody might be stressed when you see a car pull up or somebody walking in the walkway and pacing back and forth? So, at, you know, at one point we trained all of the bridge workers in, in safe talk. Um, awesome. Is you know that's great intended for anyone.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. That's I'm just curious. Again, asking questions that what what you know, basically on what level or mm-hmm. um, like where can we start? Like what. What do you, what, in your opinion, like, what do you think we, we could be doing that we aren't doing maybe?
0: Um, so from, I mean, from a pure training perspective, the analogy we make often is like CPR and first aid, right? I mean, many people get trained in that. Um, and it's one of those things that you hope you never need to use, but if you ever find yourself in that position, most people would probably feel confident that they could remember what it was that they learned and probably render some practical assistance until, until somebody else gets there. So in that respect, anyone and everyone should be trained in first aid, you know, sure. most people. Are Mental, health first aid. Mental health first aid is the best eight hours I ever spent. Right. So it's the same, it's the same idea with suicide prevention. Um, and then you can, I mean, we do get a little bit more nuanced. Um, so for example, you know, people who are clinicians, might not need that basic stuff they probably already have that foundation so we there's other tools and strategies we might we might give to them in terms of how to help somebody develop a safety safety plan or uh lethal means safety or whatever it might be so that that might be a little bit more tailored i guess um but and then you know afsp has talk saves lives and that's more you know sort of education and awareness yeah which i'm sure talks a little bit more involved so um some level i think it's one of those situations where um if people are interested and and they feel like their their personal or professional life could benefit from that skill set we'd love to be able to to bring it to them um i'd love to
3: be assist trained that's one thing i've not been able to do is safe talk and assist but mm-hmm. we have got a lot of it appears that afsp is a lot of people that are assist trained i think yeah but. Yep. but I would love to do it since I'm not part of it now. I mean, I'm still volunteering mm-hmm.
0: stuff, but but I would love to do it because I would love to have that training once things open back up. Um, hopefully, sometime this year. Yeah, um, we'll see. Right, we'll we're we're hopeful that we will be able to help support some of that train the trainer stuff and what and, and awesome. when people are hungry for it for sure. Yeah,
1: what what are your thoughts on um, bringing some of that? training education into the school system
0: yeah so i think again uh youth you know suicide's the second leading cause of death in 10 to 24 year olds so right um and and so it's really important especially that the adults in a young person's lives have the skills and the competencies um a colleague who her primary focus at the center is working with schools um and and she's developed some wonderful curricula and training that speak the language of schools to help the adults know like what you know what's their role it's limited right but it's cru- super crucial um sure. so it's not about teaching you know now having te- teachers are asked to do so much right um we don't want them to feel like they have to be all things to all people but they do have an important role so um you know it's it's helping teachers and and you know bus drivers and um, uh, food service people know like what's their role, right? Because they, they're the eyes and the ears of the school. They know when kids aren't doing good, right? Um, so we try to empower them, uh, you know, in terms of how to help a, a student that might be struggling and get them connected to those more formal resources.
1: Nice. Nice. I like it.
3: Yeah, that's great. And now it's a state office, correct? You, Or is it... So uh,
0: so, the the suicide prevention office is housed under the New York State Office of Mental Health. Okay. State office. Yeah. The prevention center is actually um, our funding comes from the state, but so I'm not a state employee though. Okay. Um, the work that we do dovetails and is in support of the state plan, um, and it's all coordinated and, and, and collaborated. So, there's, you know, I, a lot of my work is more in the public health world. But a lot of work that we do also happens in the clinical world and it's supporting healthcare systems. Um, you know, looking at colleges and universities, and, and it's really trying to take an across the lifespan um, and and across systems approach uh, because it's it, it can't just be the a mental health thing um, because that you know first off not everybody thinking about suicide has a mental illness right. Um, they're just, they may have reached their own personal breaking point for whatever life is throwing at them. Um, And so they're people that aren't going to be captured by the mental health system. And then um, people that do have a mental health diagnosis, not everybody's in treatment, right? So uh, we really have to expand our, our way of thinking in terms of who the helpers can be.
3: Yeah, we agree. That's why I think it's important to offer different things and different paths for people to get in. Cause that was yes, part of the reason why I got my peer support specialist certificate. Right. Cause well, I think and that, that's a good way to end to
0: something. I don't know what yet, but something. <laughs> well, no. And, and that's for so long in this work, it was all about, well, how can we help people that have been struggling? But we never asked people who had been struggling, like what can Bingo.
1: you do? Bingo. Bingo. <laughs>
0: um, and it's, it's really, um, it's taken a while and there is some dynamic tension between, you know, the the t- people who have a lot of letters after their names and who are really, you know, go to school for this and, and are really smart and do research and, and know the science behind it. And then there's people um, with quote lived experience, you know, which is typically the term and, you know, h- how do we take those lessons learned, you know, and, and, because they're not mutually exclusive, right? They have to, they have to be integrated. They have to be melded together. Yeah,
1: I agree. Wow. That was awesome. Yeah, I agree too. I wonder if, if do you, do you think it's possible to integrate the two? Because I feel like there's, there's, uh, I don't know if there's, if I would call it like a stigma on like peer support or maybe like this, um, this, uh, yeah, we'll just call it a stigma. So
0: I mean, I, I tend to be a, a glass half full kind of a person. So in answer to your question, do I think there can be? Yeah, I think it, it it's not going to be a linear path. Um, you know, and, and there's a, a list serve with, um, you know, people who are in this field from a number of different vantage points. And some of the conversations that happen on that listserv are pretty existential um, and, and whatnot. And they, and they address some of that. And there's some, and I think rightfully so, there's some, some tension there around people who want to help but don't have that personal experience and people who want to help and have that personal experience. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to see the different viewpoints go back and forth. And I think ultimately we need to have those honest, hard conversations, um, and not gloss over them and pretend they don't exist. If we're going to integrate, if we're going to find a way to use both the science and people's experiences to to, to make a difference, agree.
1: I mean, I, yeah, I, I and personally I think you
3: need to because I don't think that the science says it all. Because it's not a, it's not really like a strictly science thing there's a lot of emotion that plays i mean that's there's a lot of emotional baggage tied to attempts tied to you know Mm that's tied to just getting to that point so you got to look at it from some sort of emotional standpoint i would think from like some sort of empathetic side well
0: and it's it's about people right and so I, i I think the science absolutely has a place and because absolutely. some people respond better to some things than others. And so it's, uh, it's not all or nothing, I think. And so um, I, we're in a better place than we were 10 or 15 years ago. 10 or 15 years ago, we weren't really talking to people who had survived an, an attempt um, to find out what was that like and what worked and what didn't work kind of a thing. So we're, we're definitely um, getting better and making progress
1: that's That's good
0: yes that's good we need progress and i think it's
3: i think that the work you're doing is super important and i think that like just like afsp and just like us i think as we all do this more and more and we break down more stigma barriers i think it because the conversation becomes more normalized i think we'll be in a better place but it's obviously been very slow. I mean, I I grew up in a family of mental illness. My mother has schizoaffect disorder and she's hospitalized currently right now, actually. And, uh, you know, it's like, there's a lot of baggage that goes with that throughout life, no matter what. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, then you throw suicide on top of that. That's a whole, there's there's a lot of weight to that, familia-wise and stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, when I was growing up, you literally, you know, like nobody talked about suicide, maybe mm-hmm. if celebrity died by suicide. Um, and even then in those instances, it wasn't talked about safely. It was more sensationalized. Right. Sure, Yeah. And I think in one respect, um, it's, it is being talked about a lot more like, you know, kids in particular, they don't have a problem talking about it. No, they don't. Think they've gone to the other extreme and maybe, they, you know, it, it, it's almost, out there where it's not always talked about in a safe fashion um so that whole idea of you know again not sensationalizing it uh and the work that you all are doing right now like you know and in in, this is a great example of um it's not whether we should talk about suicide it's how we should talk about it right right it's, yeah that's all it is it's, yeah. it's just the linguistics it's the language of it and it's
3: and I was opposed to choosing, you know, to say something else rather than to say what you would think it would be yep. or you know what the audience.
2: That's pretty yeah. that's
3: awesome. Very awesome, man. Yeah, thank you very much for doing this because that's that that's a there's a lot wrapped up in
1: that cake right there.
3: <laughs> there it is, man.
1: There is. And I, I, I agree. I think with, you know, like somebody like yourself with your experience and um, you know, being doing what you have been doing for all those years and all that uh, wisdom that you've collected is to not use that is, is a tragedy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, um, I can't see myself not being involved in this work in some way, shape, form or another. Um, it, it's not just, It's not just a job, right? I mean, it it is a calling, um, you know, and so I think uh, for people, you know, for people who are involved in this work, you can tell, you can see that it's really um, something that they're passionate about um, and it it makes a difference. You know, one of the hardest things is, you know, from a research perspective, it's hard to measure sometimes the outcome and people want to see, you know, what's the Qualitative, quantitative data, right. and rightfully so. I mean, we should. There's lots of things we should look to see about the effectiveness, and it's hard sometimes for all of our efforts to say, "Does a media campaign is a media campaign making a difference in the burden of suicide?" You know, it's it, it it's difficult to measure a true connection, um, but I think ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not going to be any one thing or any one effort that is going to reduce the burden. It's, it's really when we think about what, uh, what helped to reduce smoking, right? It was a number of different efforts and initiatives. It was public education and awareness. It was, you know, people talking about their own experience with emphysema or whatever it was, right? It was a, it was a true public health effort. And that's what we need to continue to, to keep in mind with suicide is it really has to be a public health, all hands on deck uh,
1: approach. Have you seen some of that um, dramatically increase, you know, just because you've been in this, you know, the pool for, for many years, have you seen some positive differences?
0: Yeah, I think um, a refinement in, in messaging because the messaging that we, that we do um, is important. Right. So again, not whether we should talk about suicide, but how we talk about it. So we've, we've gotten a better understanding. And again, informed by people, either lost survivors or attempt survivors, right, have really helped to uh, inform messages. Um, certainly clinical tools have gotten more advanced and more sophisticated, um, having, having peer recovery, right, having attempt survivor groups, um, you know, and having some structure and support for those, uh, it, it, it is a huge example of progress in the field. So I think we're absolutely making progress. Um, and we've seen in other countries, the numbers have in some countries begun to come down slightly, um, and so you know that tells me that we can move the needle in that direction, right? Um, and so uh, it's you know it's going to take time, um, but again, I, I think we have the ability to, to to make those changes. I think one of the biggest things that I've heard from many people who consider themselves to be attempt survivor is partly not just looking at suicide prevention as, um, preventing the act of suicide, but looking at a life worth living. Right. Um, and really saying, what is, what is a life worth living? So it can't just be not killing oneself. I mean, yeah, that's the ultimate goal, but pretty cynical view. view. Yeah. Um, and that to me is so important is what is the life worth living right um and that's going to look different for me or for you or for everybody else but if that's part of the starting point to me that's really powerful um is suicide prevention can't just be about stopping that act from happening it's got to be so much more than that
1: nice do you think that there's something that um that there, like let's say like today we're doing that we think is helping suicide prevention. And, and, you know, we, we're doing it as a positive with good intent, but do you think that there's something that um, is having the opposite effect? Is there anything that we're doing that's, that may be hurting it?
0: Um, I'm sure there are examples, um, you know, uh, on maybe social media and I'm making generalizations um, that while they might be well-intentioned, like you said, um, aren't, aren't safe or aren't supportive. Um, so, you know, uh, mainstream media, right. What's the topic du jour, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and, and so the good news is, you know, whether it be substance abuse or suicide or sexual abuse or whatever the topic is, raising awareness about those things is good and, and using media or art as an art form, you know, generally speaking is good, but, then there can also be a tipping point where um, the messages that are involved in essence might do more harm than good, right? Um, And so another basic premise from our work is do no harm, right? And that's a guiding principle is, um, is the the work that we're doing helpful? um, And is it coming from a place of doing no harm? And so we have those conversations all the time uh, because the last thing you want to do obviously in this space is um even unintentionally sure uh, is to cause harm to someone
3: good
1: good good as we know
3: one of the great myths is is that by saying something about suicide that you put the idea into someone's head and i I wanted to make sure that we just called that out sure real quick yeah i mean myth that someone, someone who's thinking about has already been thinking about it. You, there's not,
0: right. Yeah. And there's, I mean, a a lot of times when I talk with people and and if I had the the opportunity to do training, you know, sometimes it'll come up as like, okay, if we're all caring people, we would probably all want to do good by somebody. Um, And especially if we thought they were struggling with suicide. And then sometimes that'll be the way to then introduce, so what might get in our way? Well, it's some of those myths that might get in our way. And that's probably one of the biggest myths is that by talking about it, we're going to give um, somebody the idea. And in fact, that is such a common myth that there's at least a one-page uh, you know, research paper, or not research paper, um, but lit- literature review that refutes that myth uh, because it's so common. And you know, I just break it down that as human beings, we're just not that powerful, right? Um, right. We just, you know, if, if <laughs> we had the ability to do that, my kids' rooms would have been spotless. Right? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, so, um, but right, well, I mean, to your point, um, the person, if they were thinking about it, they were already thinking about it before we brought it up. And in fact, most people that that have been asked that question, if they were thinking about it, um, have shared something, something to the effect of what a relief it was. Somebody finally got it. Somebody like right. recognized that life sucked right now, or has sucked for a while, um, and and that's why we tell, you know, like oftentimes after Robin Williams died, or after uh, Chris Cornell, or just, uh, yeah. you know, we talked about if you're if you're struggling, call the one eight hundred number, which is great, yeah. empower people to reach out, but it's equally important important that we empower everybody else to extend your hand. Like if you're worried about somebody, you reach out, right? Right. You ask the question you ask, because uh, although it doesn't make sense uh, on some level for many people struggling with thoughts of suicide, they might even know there's a part of them that might know that they don't want to die, but they just don't have it in them to take that step and to ask for help. So um, that's why it's really important to ask that question it shows that you care, right? It shows that um, you want to be able to help that person, that you've noticed something different. So um, yeah, don't, you know, for, for people that are concerned that you're going to give them the idea, um, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. In fact, you're going to, if they are thinking about it, it's probably going to be a relief and it's going to help to reduce the anxiety and, and the stress that they've been feeling.
1: Excellent. Busted myths over here. That's right. That's
0: what we do,
3: man. Busting myths, you know, busting stigma. That's what we do here.
1: Is there another myth that uh, pops up that you think uh, we can?
0: Um, there, you know, there are some myths like, so if somebody was really serious about suicide, they wouldn't tell anyone sort of this idea of there's talkers and there's doers. Right. And if they were really serious, they wouldn't ask for help or they wouldn't even be hinting at it. They would just go ahead and do it um and so that is that is a myth um and the the premise is that for the vast majority of people thinking about suicide it's not that they want to die it's that they don't know how to go on living at that particular moment with sort of the psychic and the emotional pain they're feeling um and so we need to we need to take any concerns or talk about suicide seriously and not not Put ourselves in a position where we have to decide, well, is it serious or is it not? Get other people involved, right? I mean, you know, how you do that's important. We don't want to just always call 911. That's not the go-to response. But but it starts with, if somebody is feeling so bad that they're thinking about suicide, that's, that's their starting point. Then we have to honor that. We have to, okay, life's pretty hard right now. So whether it's serious or not, that's not for us to decide. We just need to understand and hear them. I like it. I
3: like busting myths here. <laughs> how, about we, how about we give them one more myth? I like to do things in three. So, yeah. we... <laughs> um, you know, I'd like,
1: I can, I, I don't know yeah. if you think it's a myth, but I, I feel strong. I don't like it. I don't like when people say it. I think it's, I think it's totally wrong is uh, when people say uh, suicide is selfish. Hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, um, uh, there is a a blog, and I'm going to draw a blank on it, but you can, as with everything in life these days, Google it. Um, but it, it, it was a blog posting called, Is It Selfish to Die in a Tornado? And so if you take that same idea, suicide is a selfish act, remove suicide. What? You you, you died in a tornado? How dare you? Right? I mean, it's the same <laughs> Yes. And so I, and, and when I first read that, um, and again, not surprisingly, that was uh, from, you know, somebody with lived experience, it made all the sense in the world, it, it like really crystallized that for me, that, that uh, a way to explain that, um, that in you, you, many instances, you can think about that person experiencing thoughts of suicide as being in a tornado, right? All of these thoughts and all this crap sort of swirling around. Um, and it's, a, a, you know, a tornado is something beyond our control, right? Um, and for the person in that moment um, experiencing those thoughts, it can be a, a, a sort of an emotional tornado, as it were.
1: And I they can some beyond our control, too.
3: I just, I just have to ask you this, and you can um, feel free to, you can feel free to you not You know, not suicidal crisis. I'm sorry. Oh, Go. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go right ahead.
0: You were going to. Talk about suicidal crisis. Well, I mean, we use that term, right? Suicidal crisis often in this work. And, you know, I don't know about yourself, but I don't do my most stellar thinking when I'm in crisis mode, right? I mean, sort of right. like, um, you're struggling and reaching for for solutions and you might not be clear headed. And so um, why, would, why would we necessarily expect that for the person who's at that point where suicide becomes an option that that they're going to be able to see clearly Right. Um, and so I, I it's the it's the same idea, I guess, right?
3: What were you we gonna say, well? I was just gonna ask him. So <laughs> outside of your professional experience, um, and feel free to decline answering this. Do you have any personal experience through this? Do you have any
0: Yeah, I, I do. Um, I've not talked about it often. Uh talked about it with some family uh when I was in junior college. Um, I made a, a couple of aborted attempts, um, meaning I, I stopped myself. Um, and I've, you know, continued to have thoughts on and off. Um, so it's, it's, uh, and then I've got family members as well.
3: So it is an act of passion for you then too, man. That's, I find that that's where we all kind of come from when we come from the lived
0: experience part. It's usually like that whole, that, yeah. that history of it. it, it, it and there are people I know um, who, you know, uh, don't necessarily have that uh, firsthand experience that share that passion equally. Um, I think it's, you know, it's for a lot of people, it's sort of baked in, right, in terms of our the fiber of who we are uh, as to why it's really important um, to be able to make a difference. Well said. I like it. I like it. So usually at the end of these
3: things we ask three questions. Uh Mm -hmm. two semi-serious and one not so serious, just to lighten up the mood a little bit. But uh excellent. I'll let let Timmy start,
1: man. So Gara, do you have a favorite or least favorite word?
0: I I love the English language. I love language. A favorite or least favorite word? Probably least favorite, most Currently is the word like, like, you know what I mean? Like, um, sometimes <laughs> every like sentence. Um, so pet peeve, uh, <laughs> I, in terms of favorite words, I, I it, yeah, we don't probably have enough time. I, I like old words, <laughs> you know, flummoxed and uh, you know, just, I don't know, odd sounding words, I guess. All right. That's cool. All right,
3: so now dog, cat, or other? Yes. Oh, all all of the above. <laughs> 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 are you saying
0: you are you, such
3: you such saying you own
0: a zoo? <laughs> <laughs> dog and cat. Okay. Yeah.
1: Excellent. I like it.
3: I find, that, I find that some people get caught off guard by that question once in a while and they're like, and then others are just like, oh, you know, they're very you know, strong in their answer about yes. what they got and who they are supporting.
1: Last one. If, if there was something that you could do without any restraints or something that you would like to see done for mental health as a whole, what would it be?
0: Um well, I think it would be uh, one of the things would be on a national or federal government level to really have it be more of a priority and not something that bubbles up when there's uh, maybe a news story or whatnot. So, for example, um, one of the House of Representatives, uh, Jamie Raskin, is adult son died by suicide right in between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. And I read a tribute, if you will, um, that they wrote about their son, just really powerful, really moving. Um, And it, and it, uh, we brought a lot of attention, you know, but it was sort of just a little blip on the radar. Obviously there were a lot of other things going on at the time in our country. Um, But I think what I'd like to see would be a sustained conversation Right. What we're doing here today, amplified and, you know, um, on all levels, uh, not not in place of other important issues like cancer or diabetes or, you know, financial stressors. uh, But I'd like to see it elevated so that it uh, is part of the conversation on a regular basis. And it's given its due, I guess, um, and not just sort of a topic du jour kind of a thing.
1: Great answer.
0: Yeah. yeah, I
3: love that answer. That was great. I and I do think that, you know, the high profile deaths like bring this like super spotlight onto it for a short amount of time. And and we saw that with like and especially the death of Chris Cornell affected Tim and I pretty, you know, pretty wholeheartedly. And me especially. Um a lot of good memories to Soundgarden and and Chris Cornell and just in general and was like, that was uh that was a heavy one, but Robin Williams, like I'm still trying to unravel that one a little bit. I have not seen a new documentary that just came out. There's mm. one that said what he wanted, like at the end of his life for people to know. And it was like an hour long, but I, I, do you think, do you think that there's obviously there's good and bad with the social media amplification of all this? Do you find there be more good than bad or do you find it to be
0: pretty evenly split as far as? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my views are evolving for the longest time. You know, I had this sort of blanket view that social media is bad because all that's all you heard was like people either doing stupid stuff or using it in a really just horrible, nasty ways. Um, so my views have evolved that it's a tool at the end of the day. Um, and you can use a hammer to help build things or you can use a hammer to destroy things. Um, and in, in that light, I think it's a tool. And so I, I think we need to frame the narrative, if you will, uh, of how are, we, how are we using it? Um, we're never gonna completely eradicate people using it in horrible ways. We just need to be louder um, in terms of using it in more positive, uplifting ways
1: very well and, said i like it and and um, and a quick on you know on top of that is to to the to whoever that wants to be a part of social media is to be mindful of who you're following and who is around you know yeah. because yeah. i think that makes it you know if you if you unfollow all the you know if i can say quote-unquote assholes mm. and then you know pay attention to more of the positive side of things then you know absolutely it can be a, more of a positive thing. I can't remember who
0: this gets attributed to, but one of the, like, I'm a, I'm a collector of quotes and positive affirmations, and I like to share them. And um, there's one that I've, I've seen recently. I just saw it again, not too long ago. Something to the effect of, is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Is sort of a guidepost of what, like, what am I going to say or what am I going to post? You know, and, and to me, that's a helpful way To think about interacting especially with social media is it true is it necessary and is it kind
2: saturday june 5th it's reverbicon 2021 noon to 7 p.m fun for the whole family all ages are welcome check out this awesome outdoor and indoor event it's all sponsored by collar city concrete cool river pools llc corpse fx special effects makeup Collar City Painting, LLC. Into the great outdoors with some live music from Joe Mansman and the Midnight Revival Band, the Peter Anello Trio, and Vumbino. Wrestlers, artists, vendors, food, drinks, summer fun, Reverbicon 2021, Broken Root Barbecue, 1544 State Route 40, scaticoke New York, Saturday, June 5th, noon to 7pm, with an after party with Brian Kane. Come hang out with Capital Underground on Nippertown and that buzzing 518 show you've waited now it's here and it's free to the public reverbicon 2021 saturday june 5th at broken road barbecue and Bar, scanico check in with the abovegroundpodcast.net for
0: more information
2: go to reverbicon on facebook